Hello and welcome back to the History Book Podcast, the podcast which fills in the gaps your school history book may have left out, prepares you for your next pub quiz, and provides you with interesting tales from the past to annoy your family and friends over dinner with. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the History Book. I'm joined today once again by Adam Jacobson. Hello, Adam. Hello. Nice to be back. Nice to be back. Nice to have you back. Thank you. We're flipping it on its head today a bit, and I'm going to be the explainee. And I'm going to be the explainer, and I'm going to learn a few things. Going to do a bit of learning today. So, what are we discussing today? So, today we're going to be discussing two events, shall we say. Um, both happened in America. Okay. Both can be slightly linked to UFOs. Okay. <laughs> not in the way, I'm not going to sit here for the next half an hour and try and tell the UFOs are real, but they're two events that basically involved a certain level of hysteria okay. in the population and have in previous years been linked to proof of UFOs, but okay. more so than what we're actually learning. Spoiler. So, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The first thing we're going to be talking about is Orson Welles' broadcast of The War of the Worlds. What do you know about The War of the Worlds, the, the broadcast? Uh, the only thing that I know about the broadcast, it, it was a radio broadcast. Mm-hmm. It was done as like a radio show. The thing that I know about it is, or that I've heard about it, is that a lot of people thought it was real. That like they thought this was actually happening, that the world was ending. Yeah. But I don't know if that's true or not. I think that's kind of like anecdotally I've heard this. So we'll we'll see at the end. You'll kind of come see that uh, the numbers and the amount of people that believe this to be true is somewhat inflated by. So, so you'll, you'll okay. see. So basically... Okay. The War of the Worlds was a novel by H.G. Wells, mm-hmm. published at the end of the 19th century. And it was about Martians basically taking over the United Kingdom. And it was basically a satire on uh, colonial England because the ultimate colonizer has been colonized itself. Okay. Oh, okay. Do you know, yeah. I, I somehow never copped that before. Yeah. So, and then in nine, the 1930s, 1938, Orson Welles, he was a 23-year-old Orson Welles, was hired by CBS to put on a series of radio shows. Mm -hmm. So he did classics like Dracula. And then in 1938, October 30th, they decided they were going to do a production of War of the Worlds. Mm -hmm. But he decided that he wanted to make it slightly different to the other ones in that he wanted to portray a certain level of realism to the was in, in the other ones, was he just like reading the book? Yeah. It was like kind of, a, kind of like an audio book. Exactly. Like a dramatic doing different tele- voices or something, but it's just yeah. kind of reading the story. Yeah, and the thing as was, it's written. Yeah. And the thing was, they all, because of certain laws of the time and regulations, everything had to be done live. They didn't like pre-recording stuff for radio. So oh. It was all done live in studio. So in 19, in the weeks leading up to October 30th, 1938, they mm-hmm. were planning to do this War of the Worlds. It was numerous rewrites. Orson Welles wasn't happy with the script. He said it was too boring and it wasn't realistic enough. Because they faced a certain number of challenges. Like for one, in the original novel, the invasion takes place over the course of a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But they had an hour to make the audience believe that this invasion had happened and was successful. Yeah. Which is difficult to do. So we pulled out a few tricks to kind of trick the audience into believing it more. One is that the broadcast started with some news reading and then it started there was live music like classical music mm-hmm. and he played it for far longer than would be usual in one of these radio broadcasts he dragged it on for a long time to give 
I guess to kind of give the audience the perception that had been going on longer than they would think. But it seemed to have worked because basically what they did was... As in the, they had oh, just happened to tune in and this had been on for a while? Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. So what they did then was they interspersed live breaking news bulletins in between the classical music. The first one was to say that series of explosions have been seen on Mars. The next one saying that in a field in New Jersey that numerous flaming objects had crashed. Okay. And that but were... this classical music thing was just as if to be like, this was the actual show that's on. Exactly. And the other thing is just interrupting it. Exactly. Okay. Now, okay. At, the, at the very start of the broadcast. And this is before the... we had screens in our cards that told us what was playing on the radio at the time. <laughs> and at the, at the start of the broadcast, they announced that this was a live telling of War of the Worlds by each. But if you missed the first exactly. minute or two of the show, then exactly. you're not going to know this. And a lot of people tuned in at have ad breaks from other shows. They so they missed You're flipping through exactly. channels, yeah. And the next one they had four of these announcements saying that it was fiction. But the next one after the first of the, one at the start was fifty minutes into the broadcast. So if you jumped in five minutes late and then listened for forty five minutes, you had no context as to this what Yeah, you basically on. had to be there at the beginning or at the end very specifically to know Exactly. What was really going on. And it was very, the way they did the broadcast was very convincing. They had, uh, one of the sections had them, uh, had a reporter going out to the field where these Martians had crashed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Orson Welles had prepared this reporter, he was an actor, they prepared him by giving him footage of a reporter reporting on the Hindenburg disaster. Okay. And he had him listen to this reporter emotionally tell what was happening over and over and over again. So when the time came to portray the fact that these Martians were coming out of the ground and were killing people and black smoke was going everywhere and they were using heat rays, mm -hmm. he was able to portray this emotion in his voice that made it very believable. Yeah. So that went on. They had various segments throughout uh, the first 40, 45 minutes where it was all leading. The next place they went was a, a mountain where there was a military barrage fighting the the aliens. Mm -hmm. They were atop a building and it ended there where a reporter being choked to death by this black smoke and, you know, and then back in studio being, is there anyone there? Okay. So it was quite okay. believable if you yeah. didn't know what was happening. After the 45 minute, they went then to a new, an ad break because they were, they weren't uh, sponsored. They could choose when they did their ad break. So usually there would be one. Every few minutes, every like minute. 15 minutes. Exactly. Or but they waited 45, 50 minutes. Okay. And at this well, because I guess if you were, if this was actually happening, you probably wouldn't be cutting to an ad in the middle of it. No, you know, exactly. you would keep going. Yeah, yeah. At this point, it was one of the producers at CBS got a call saying they needed to shut the broadcast down because they were receiving such a high number of people ringing, panicking, mass panic. Police officers flooded the uh, CBS broadcast room trying to get the production cancelled, but it it continued on and the end of it, the third act then was just Orson Welles portraying this janitor or a cleaner, basically. Uh, and they, you know, it was more dramatized. Mm -hmm. Anyone listening in wouldn't think this is real because it wasn't these news broadcasts. It was more, it was more like the other things that he had put on. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the broadcast ended and reporters flooded the CBS offices. And some of them were saying, do you know how many people have been hurt and have died? 
due to this, due to oh. the panic caused by this. So, and they probably, they're in the studio, like they, they don't know no what's idea. going on no outside idea. of it. Yeah. And the, you know, they have their little on air sign on and yeah. everyone's like, oh, don't go in, they're, out, they're live, don't and go in. That question implies as well that they felt that, oh, wow, there's something we don't know here, like something very bad has happened. So the broadcast sends the next day, there's newspaper articles about the panic that they caused. And the destruction, there's reports of people jumping from buildings. And immediately after the newspapers reporting on this, did they report on it as if, oh, this radio broadcast yeah. caused all of this? Yes. They didn't report on it like it was real? No. No, okay. They, they were aware that it was yeah. broadcast. Yeah. But there was reports that people were jumping from buildings, committing suicide. People were, you know, dying in the streets. Mass panic ensued. Mm. People were selling all their things. All within the space of an hour. All within the space of an hour. Within the first 45 minutes, really. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is that this was when, so people were going up on high alert in America. This was shortly after the Munich incident. Uh, it was, you know, fascism was rising. Yeah. There. These reports, news reports, breaking news, they weren't uncommon. Mm-hmm. So people were, it wasn't unusual that there was a breaking news bulletin, obviously. Yeah. The nature of it was, but. But radio had the upper hand of print media at the top because they could because they could go live. They could go live exactly. Yeah. So when print media saw what the alleged panic had done, they jumped on it and they just thought, "This is we can smear radio here." Right. Okay. So it we was can, it was a bit of a print versus radio. Absolutely. They knew that, that they could portray radio as such a bad life because of what they've done, all the lives that have been lost and the damage. Damn with big gone. radio. <laughs> what? Thank, luckily, there was a study being done at the time by a radio service where they called a st- population of 500 people, mm-hmm. 5,000, sorry, mm-hmm. and they asked them what they were listening to on the radio that at the time. Okay. 2% of the 5,000 called were listening to War of the Worlds. Oh, oh, they happen to be calling them during that, during that hour. During that hour. Oh, right. Okay. 2%. Now, you, the call took place during the broadcast. You could say, oh, well, the people that... Were listening panicked, probably weren't answering their phones. Yeah, yeah, or they had already ran out of their house. To, yeah, to I guess. If you want to frame it that way, yeah. you could say that. It's just a possibility. Mm-hmm. But the, it, people said that, you know, millions, up to 6 million people listened to the broadcast. But in reality, it was far fewer than that. It was something like less than 1% of the population of America actually heard the rock. Okay. And then potentially some of those 1% heard the part that said it was a dramatization, that it was a story. Yeah. It seems that the only really thing that happened from this was that there was an influx of calls to local police stations to Mm -hmm. see what was going on. CBS themselves got a lot of calls. Mm -hmm. There was one report that someone had tried to commit suicide but was stopped. By their family. Okay. And a woman tried to sue CBS and got got nowhere. So it's like they, trying to sue, you know, any TV production because oh, I just I found the that last episode of The Walking Dead. They're very scary, you yeah. know, very very scary. What like? Yeah. And it really seems like this. Didn't we, like what was on the news yesterday. Going to sue yeah. RTE. We, we it seems like you know people hear about and they go oh well of course they fell for it back in the thirties. They how would they have known? But it really seems like not many people did. Yeah, they just really fluffed up. They really fluffed up. And then did it, did this kind of last a long time? Like, was there, you know, the, this kind of hysteria that 
the media, the print media kind of caused? Did that just last like a day? Did that keep going? I don't think it really had much traction. Like you can see how popular mm. radio. But that's funny get. that that's what I thought I knew about that mm. broadcast. That was yeah. the thing, the only thing that I kind of yeah. have in my head was that a lot of people thought it was real. Yeah, and then it caused a lot of panic. Yeah, it's the only like lasting. There, like, image there, I have that there was head. certainly people that were startled by it, but I think a, I would be a quick phone call seemed to be the answer for most people. No, yeah. people weren't running into the street and panicking. Yes. You know, the fact that there was no, no car crashes or traffic or, and people said that the streets, or it was reported by the newspaper that the streets of New York were deserted. But then people, it was then some people that worked for CBS said afterwards that life just it was, was going as, York, as normal. Like, like, yeah. yeah. It was, and it's just interesting that it was the influx of press into the CBS offices. They knew, I think, as soon as the broadcast was live, what they could get from this. They knew that a certain number of people would walk into it mm-hmm. and that they could then jump on that. Do you think CBS knew this before they did it? Like, they never went in with that intention no, to cause any kind of... They were just like, we want to make kind of the most exciting radio I, program that we can. At the end of the broadcast, Orson Welles said that he was... It was almost like he was... Had a, she sounds like he was a ghost. He was like saying boo to the audience. There was a certain mm. he did want to trick the audience to some extent. Yeah. But I don't think and I don't think the mass panic that was reported was what Orson Welles was after. No, and I know when I, I imagine when you're writing something and when you're making something like that, you're like, Oh, I want people to believe it to a certain degree, but you're never gonna think that, oh, somebody's gonna think this is No. He's probably not imagining that people are gonna think this is actually happening. He's no. like, Oh, I want to scare them a bit. But yeah. He probably wouldn't expect people to go that far. What's quite interesting about it and just made me feel quite old is that Orson Welles was 23 oh God. when he put on the three. <gasps> oh my God. I thought that was a mistake. I was like, surely there's no way he was that young. It was, he was only 30 or he was only 23. Oh my God. Which is kind of crazy. That's crazy. pretty impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. To try and hoodwink a nation at age 23. Yeah. Via radio. Yeah. Yeah. So that was an example of an well, shall we say, inorganic case of panic and hysteria and national outcry. Yeah, there was a certain amount of intent yeah. behind it. There's a case of a slightly more organic nature and slightly more mysterious. Okay. Have you heard of the Battle of Los Angeles? Battle of Los Angeles, the movie? <laughs> not the movie staring at record. No, I have not. You've not? Okay. So... The year was 1942, February. Okay. Pearl Harbor had just been attacked in December. Mm-hmm. So the west coast of America was on quite High alert. Yeah, of course. This was made work for the fact that a lot of US merchant ships were being attacked by Japanese vessels. And that in a few weeks before this event took place, a Japanese submarine had come to the surface off the coast of Santa Barbara and shelled uh, the Elwood um, oil field near Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. There was a slight bit of damage, no casualties, but it just put people on edge. They, yeah. they were they were anticipating a Japanese invasion of the West Coast. Yeah. So on the from the twenty on the twenty fourth of February, the on twenty fourth of February. The Office of Naval Intelligence issued a warning that an attack on mainland California could be expected within the next 10 hours. Mm-hmm. So 
by the Japanese. By the Japanese, yeah. So an alert was filed and a air rate siren sounded and basically a blackout was placed. Oh yeah, I was just about to ask, how do you, at the time, what were they doing to alert everybody of this? Like it went out on radio? Yeah, and there'd been sirens and basically the whole city was blacked out. Okay. Because you don't want any lit up targets for buckets. Yeah, yeah. To shoot. So then at a, in the middle of the night, um, the purge happened. The purge happened, yes. I just feel like with everything out dark, yeah. some pe- somebody's going to take advantage of that. Yeah. No, well, what happened was in the middle of the night, radar blips were picked up off the coast approaching, they, they were something like 200 kilometers off the coast approaching California. California. Several okay. radar blips. Okay. At some point. Like airborne or? Airborne. Yeah. yeah. At some point, something is spotted in the sky from an observatory in San Francisco and the commander of the anti-aircraft battalion gives the command, the order to fire upon it. Okay. So basically for about an hour, there's this military bombardment, just, just anti-aircraft shells are being fired at these targets. There's reports, people say this, they saw one plane in the sky. People say they saw numbers of planes in the sky or they say they saw large crafts in the sky, like UFOs, mm-hmm. or they said it's all balloons in the sky, that they were moving very slowly along the coast. Okay. After about an hour, these objects disappear. Okay. The bombardment's over. Okay. This the, is just all from like, observe, like, you know, this isn't official information. This is just people saying what they yeah. thought. Yeah. Some people say they saw nothing. Okay. Some people say they saw planes. Some people say they saw aliens. Okay. Now, then immediately the next day, the officer of the Navy says that it was a false alarm, that there was nothing actually there. And it was just nerves. Like a malfunction. Or nerves that caused it, like trigger fingers. They were jumpy. What was on the radar? What was on the radar isn't really known. Okay. But what they but do think. Do we think happened, that something showed up on the radar? Or for, for the radar at the time was quite unreliable. Okay. The question of what was on that radar isn't really known because it was multiple things. What we do know is that two weather balloons were launched in San Francisco that night. Okay. One followed by another. Okay. A weather balloon with a red flare hanging from it and some jumpy anti-aircraft men could mm. be a recipe for... Yeah, this. and especially if some people were saying that they saw balloons. Yeah. Once moving the, slowly, once the guns like, started firing, there would have been so much smoke and and debris in the air, and they were shining it would spotlights. Be hard to, it'd be quite easy to see planes in or see think or you'd think you've seen like the lights on a plane or yeah yeah, exactly, yeah 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 yeah. Especially if you're already expecting it. Yeah. Do exactly. you know you've been told that oh we might kind of go to war tonight? Exactly. You know. So you're, 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 you're going to be sitting there and waiting for it to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So in the spotlights that they were shining, so it was light through smoke and debris, it made it very mm-hmm. easy Yeah, of things. course. What didn't help is that the media took a photo. It was fo- a very famous photo of the military bombardment where you can just see all these spotlights and smoke and explosions. And it looks like the spotlights converged on one. It almost looks like an alien craft. Okay. But what people didn't know for a while is that the photo had been touched up because they always touched up photos back then. Mm-hmm. The way they touched it up made it look like there was 
a craft in the center but in reality the, the first photo just showed nothing okay it just like it just it was manipulated to look a certain yeah. way there was a report done um in the following few years that concluded basically that it was in fact these weather balloons the fact that they were moving. okay because people said well if they're balloons how did they not how weren't they shut down because after the next day, there was no planes, nothing was found. And were the, did they, they, were the weather balloons still going? Like, they were never found. Oh. But they would have been going, traveling uh, horizontally, but also vertically. They would have been going up into the atmosphere. And if they were shot down, it's unlikely they would have never been found. Really? Yeah, they, it depends. If they were on the sea, they, oh, they transport. Yeah. But the fact that they were moving two directions up and something. it'd be very hard to tell where it would end yeah. up if it did get shot down I and guess. it wasn't harder to, to hit them true you know yeah. they weren't stationary yeah. objects but they were definitely and yeah. I guess if it's going up as well as going across that might if you're looking at it from a certain angle it might make it look like it's moving really slowly yeah you know because it's kind of just going slowly upwards but it's actually moving across as well exactly. you know and they there's definitely Consider that they weren't planes because they were moving at about 40 kilometers. Yeah, it'd be way quicker. Yeah, it'd be far quicker. Um, five people passed away oh. during the, so three car crashes and oh. two heart attacks. Why would you go and out driving when there's, like Shirley said, there's no street lights. You wouldn't want to be having the lights on in your car. Why no, don't you go out driving? They might have been out anyways when this, because it all happened quite quickly. And, oh, and like suddenly the lights went out. Yeah. Okay. You know, it didn't. Yeah, you're still trying to get home. Yeah, the bombardment itself happened quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And in 1950, there was documents released after the Japanese surrendered. Mm-hmm. And the Japanese stated unequivocally that there was no Japanese planes. They weren't ever planning on... No, yeah. there was no Japanese planes in the vicinity. Okay. Point. So it is almost, you know, 95% likely that it was these two weather balloons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we can't say for certain, but it's, 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 it seems balloons. very likely. Yeah. Weather yeah. balloons, nerves... Because of potential. The fact that all the lights were out. Yeah. Like, and then you are expecting. Yeah. You've been told. Yeah. A Japanese invasion was imminent. Yeah. Led to this incident, which, and in, as years have gone on, UFO enthusiasts point to doctored photos and the, the, the evidence, or the lack of evidence, they say, and say that this was a UFO or several UFOs. Okay. But in reality... I think if you read through all the evidence, it just... it's quite compelling that it's probably re- these weather balloons. Yeah, it's Occam's razor. It's the simplest explanation is mm-hmm. most likely. Yeah, yeah. It was just one of the books that caused this. Mm-hmm. It, it, there doesn't seem to be any conspiracy covering, covering the cover up. Mm-hmm. It just seems very unplanned and untidy. And I think if you were to cover something up, that it would need a little organization. That seems to be yeah, yeah, exactly. Even the... Yeah, and I think we always think that there's probably more organization going on behind the scenes than there actually is. Like these enthusiasts would love to say, oh, it was a cover-up. You know, people saying that it was these weather balloons, they're just covering up a larger secret. Yeah. But there's, you know, often at the heart of it, there's really not that much organization. Like people are just kind of, Going with it, like you said, yeah. everything happened so quickly. They didn't orchestrate all of this to try and cover up the fact that there was a UFO landing no, tonight. No, do you know? Because then, was... how far back would you go? You're like, oh, we said we set out this message that says the Japanese are coming to try and cover up the fact that we actually think aliens are coming tonight. Yeah. But then it's like, well, how much further back does that go? Did yeah. we bomb Japan so we could say that they were coming here just to, you know, yeah. cover this all up? And the like the even 
there's there was disagreement in the different departments of the military. The head of the Navy said it was just a mistake. The head of the anti-war committee or the war committee said uh, that there was definitely objects in the sky. But even the commander of the military barrage said But he that, could say there was definitely objects in the sky, but these objects were yeah, balloons. The, he, the head of the uh, anti-aircraft bombardment said that uh, he at first was convinced there was objects in the sky, but then as the bombardment went on, realised that it was just smoke he was seeing that the cause. So I think it was basically the weather balloon triggered the first initial shooting. Mm-hmm. And then after that, after it that. just looked crazy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I find it just quite interesting. I guess because of what's going on in Ukraine right now, mm-hmm. there is, I think, in certain big cities, a level of unease about what could happen or potential bombings. And Yeah, you hear a whisper of something and especially you think you're kind of, you're almost waiting for something to happen. You're yeah. expecting something to happen. Exactly. So I just thought you know? these two studies or these two incidents were there are two events in history that are a little bit misconstrued sometimes that mm-hmm. are relative to, I guess, some of the fear that yeah. we see today. Yeah, definitely. I just thought they were interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Well, thank you very much for sharing those stories with us. No bother at all. I really enjoyed that. That was very eye-opening. UFOs are real. UFOs are real. We are not conspiracy theorists. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Bye.